what's up? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Muse Room. My name's Katie, and I will be your host as we meander into the lives of inspiring and creative people. This is a hub for makers, thinkers, dreamers, and anyone else that is doing the work or is aspiring to do the work that they truly want to be doing. Hello, welcome back to Muse Room. Today on the podcast, I'm sharing a conversation that I had with Rachel Koenig from Shore Society. I found Shore Society via Instagram a little over a year ago and immediately fell in love. Rachel does such an amazing job with everything she does for this business, from her beautifully curated Instagram feed, to the handwritten notes and packages, to her warm presence, and of course, thoughtfully designed products. As you can tell from the name, Shore Society, all of the designs are coastally themed. I don't know if that's a word, coastally, but not in a cheesy way. She does it so well, and it's all just so intentional and thoughtful and beautiful. In our conversation, Rachel tells us all about how creativity was a part of her life since childhood, what it was like studying graphic design at Kent State, and how that prepared her for what she does now. We also talked a lot about her design process, how she makes time for business while working a full-time job, and so much more. Are you ready? Let's hear from her. But before we do hear from Rachel, I just want to let you know that I have a few more spots for podcast management. I help courageous lady bosses get their voice out into the podcast world, and I do this through producing and managing their podcast episodes so that they can do the creative stuff. I just help deliver that creativity to the world. If you want a podcast or already have one and you don't have time for it, I have good news. Since you're listening to this podcast today, you get to try me out for one month at $150 off my normal price. So instead of $600 for a month, you're going to spend $450 on my all-inclusive package for one month. I normally only allow a minimum of three months, so that's what makes this offer really cool. This is the perfect time to see what it would be like to work with a podcast manager. To take advantage of this, click on the link in my show notes, and if you have any questions, please email me at museroompodcast at gmail.com. All right, now without any further ado, here is my conversation with Rachel, the founder of Shore Society. Yeah, thanks for having me in your gorgeous home. Oh, thank you. Smells nice. Thanks. I have some (laughs) candles for you. I love it. (laughs) I always have candles going, though. It's pretty. Candles are the best way to just make things feel more cozy. Yeah, I agree. Candles, and I like having just little styled vignettes all through the house that just kind of like make me happy. Mm -hmm. My little tarot cards or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. books and stuff. So does the design of your house evolve a lot? And it change? Has, it has over the years, yeah. Um, I think now it's at a place where it feels right, though. Um, 
when we bought our house seven years ago, I mean, it, I feel like I've changed in seven years and mm-hmm. the house has changed in seven years. So um, a few of the rooms we've repainted just because of changing taste. But um, for the most part, like, it's just evolved because of the renovations that we've done too. So mm-hmm. that's kind of forced us to figure out what the style of the house is because we're selecting like permanent fixtures mm-hmm. for everything. But yeah, I mean, I feel like now it feels very much like us. And when people come into the house and they're like, oh, this just feels like your house. That's like the ultimate compliment oh, for yeah. me, you mm-hmm. know, to just know that our personal style and like both of our tastes are in the house, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Yeah. How do you describe your personal style like with um, interior design? I remember someone asking me that before. I think it was for a blog post and I said coastal modern Mm -hmm. or like modern coastal. I feel like it's not really specific and I don't really love like cheesy coastal stuff. Yeah. It's like a whole other conversation. (laughs) Um, But just infusing like some coastal elements, whether it's like the color palette or textures that we use, but keeping it modern, but also traditional. We have an old home, you know, Mm -hmm. so we want to try to keep like as many of the traditional Mm -hmm. like built-ins that we have we have leaded glass cabinets Mm -hmm. all of the woodwork and everything like our living room um, trim you can see behind us is all Mm -hmm. cherry Mm -hmm. and as much as I wanted to like paint it over because my instinct is like it should be white it's like this gorgeous original cherry trim that Mm -hmm. I mean it would devalue our house to paint it at this point so we've just really kind of taken those traditional elements and tried to work Mm -hmm. with them yeah, I love it. I love old homes. I just have, like, such a crush on old mm-hmm. houses. Me too. That's, like, when I get a house, I definitely want an old one with character. Yeah, I love it. And, like, just to think about all the stories and the people who have, like, lived in here over the years. And our house turns 100 this year. Cool. Yeah, so we're thinking about having a little party or something for it. That's awesome. Like an open house or something. I love that. That's yeah. so cool. So. so you said you liked old homes. Was it, like, did you guys have a lot of challenges with um buying an old home um yes and no yeah like this home I feel like was pretty easy we haven't had really any problems like with renovating the only thing that we would always run into is just the space like everything is you know not quite level and not quite exact measurements you know so when my father-in-law who's a carpenter and he's been the contractor for all of our jobs he would draw up our blueprints and like you know, something like with the kitchen, with the cabinets, they come in certain sizes. And so like, we have to figure out how to fudge, like, oh man, this is too long by a quarter inch or something like that. Like everything's just a little bit wonky, but we haven't had any major issues with this house. I just remember when we were looking for old homes in Lakewood, I would fall in love with a house and then I would go down to the basement and I would just see like, oh, the foundation is cracking. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So we just had to really pay attention to those like not so fun things before we fell in love with the rest of the house because if we knew that there were going to be structural issues or plumbing issues or the basement was going to flood like we were looking at a whole other mm-hmm. problem so I think just being aware of those issues is good and we were very challenged by that mm-hmm. we learned pretty quickly like, yeah look at the basement what's the okay. electrical like you know what's updated and what's up to code what's not so um I think just knowing that, like going into house hunting, if you ever end up doing Yeah, I was going to say, what would you say to people looking for a house? Yeah, definitely that. Mm -hmm. You know, look at the not-so-fun things and just be able to, like, see beyond what's there. I think we, you know, this house didn't have any major issues, but, like, the kitchen was dated, the bathroom was dated, 
you know, the decor was way different. Like you just have to be able to have a vision beyond mm-hmm. what's already there. And I think we'll watch like HGTV and people will walk into the homes and be like, I don't like this paint color. And it's so frustrating because yeah. you're like, it's paint. You can change that. You can change anything. Like it just depends on what your budget is, mm-hmm. you know? So we knew that over the years we were going to slowly start to update and remodel the house with quality materials and everything. So we were okay with doing those updates. So mm-hmm. I just think a lot of people like are wanting something that's move in ready. So it just depends on what you're willing to do. Mm-hmm. We were in a situation where we had, you know, family connections and people that we knew we could do updates. So, yeah. Um, and we wanted to like really make it our own and have fun with it. And it's been so fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's been really fun. Yeah. Cause you're really kind of known for having like a really cool house. Like you had the interview with modern Klee at mm-hmm. one point and like you have your own business and then it seems like the house is just like another maybe creative outlet for you. Yeah, it is. And people still care about it. Like <laughs> I've, I mean, as my business has grown, I've sort of tried to find that balance of how much am I sharing about my personal life or the house or what we're doing, but like people still ask and they still want to know, um, and see photos and everything. So I think because it's been a part of the blog for so long, mm-hmm. I still end up sharing it because I mean I love houses so I want to peek into mm-hmm. someone's house too yeah. so um and I think it's also just a big part of like my design sense overall so I think people want to see how all those pieces kind of fit together because it still informs like my products and the way I run my business mm-hmm. too like it's all kind of a piece of the same thing mm-hmm. um just because I'm doing it I guess yeah. so yeah I still I still like to share mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot of people too who are local or have old homes who um are just curious and they maybe don't know how to approach like a product project like we're doing with the Porsche like where did you start or are you doing you know you're painting it are you staining it what were the issues that you ran into so I think it's almost like forming a mini support group of like you know people who are running into these problems and mm-hmm. things like that so it's really yeah. cool so I'd love to hear about what's been inspiring you lately. Is there anything that's happened recently or is there something that just always kind of keeps you inspired just to keep moving and grooving? Um, I guess lately I would say I've been really um, inspired by the collaboration I'm doing with Bruellos right now. I love it. It's really fun. <laughs> it's unlike anything that we've really ever done before and just to be able to work with them on building the concept of the whole thing, whether it's like, I mean, Chris approached me, he's one of the owners of Bruella's, doing a collaboration for the summer because he was like, to me, what your brand does is embody summer and we mm-hmm. want to do like a local collab and they're sort of my neighborhood coffee shop. And I was like, yeah, let's talk about it. So mm-hmm. we met and he just was so open about like, if you want to, do this on the wall if you want to decorate this we can do a menu we can do this like just had so many ideas um so we had a lot of fun with figuring out what we wanted to present to everyone as like a part of the ss bruella experience Mm -hmm. so we did the menu together based off of flavors that i liked and that you know felt seasonal and everything and they like took that and just ran with it and made this like delicious menu with um coffee drinks and then that peach crepe which is like I haven't had that yet it's so good it's so good and then they had asked me to to do like my own version of their mascot Bruella to Mm -hmm. do a portrait of her in my own style which was really cool 
So I think they're going to be doing seasonal collections with other like businesses and makers, mm-hmm. um, kind of because of this. So it was really fun to sort of springboard that with yeah. them. And um, they have some of the products in the store too, which has been kind of fun because they're getting to see, you know, my side of things, like getting feedback on the products and um, seeing which things are selling through really quickly. And fortunately, I'm nearby, so I just mm-hmm. like replenish as needed. But it's just been really fun to do something really out of the box and creative in like a totally different way that still feels like a part of the brand, but also a part of their brand. So mm-hmm. just like, kind of getting me out of my own aesthetic and like finding a little blend yeah of the two of our like our styles I feel like it really fits well yeah they've done a great job too and like because they sell collectibles and vintage in there too like Chris went through and sourced all of these cool nautical vintage collectibles like little um silver sailboat trays and like portraits of you know pinups in like swimsuits and everything for the wall so there's like every little detail if you really look around Mm -hmm. has been curated to that whole experience so we got to decorate the windows together and the back wall and everything so it's been really it's been really fun Mm -hmm. it's been really cool so that's so cool great opportunity and like just a fun thing to do with another local business that's like thriving with what Mm -hmm. they're doing right now have you done a lot of other collaborations like that before not like this. Um, I do like some one-on-one collaborations, like Blair Richie and I have collaborated oh, right. on the tote mm-hmm. bag. So she has her um, like awesome cotton tote with the rope handles, mm-hmm. and the we just had the idea to start doing neighborhood maps on them. So the first one we did was with um, Blair, myself, and then Kate from Lovely Papery. She wanted to do a Rocky River bag with her mm-hmm. like retail neighborhood on it. So. It kind of started from there, and then we've done Cleveland and then Lakewood from there. Mm-hmm. And I just sold the last Lakewood tote oh, today, no. <laughs> so they're sold out. We they're limited edition, mm-hmm. so we just like you know yeah. see how it goes, and then um, figure out what neighborhood we want to do next. So mm-hmm. that's been a really fun collaboration that's been going on for a couple years, just sort of ongoing. Um, Are you working on another one right now? Not another currently, one? but we have ideas. Cool. A lot of people have suggested different neighborhoods and things, so we're trying to figure out what's next on the short list so I'll have to chat with Blair now that we know we're yeah. sold out <laughs> for sure yeah and you have prints of mm-hmm. maps a lot of maps right yes yeah, so I still have prints of those maps and um I do custom maps as well mm-hmm. too so I've been doing a lot of those lately um for weddings or engagements oh, cool. or like I'm doing one for a moving announcement right now someone's moving to a new neighborhood so they're doing like a little neighborhood map of their new home and their old home and like mm. little landmarks around there. That's really so, cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I love doing maps, but I really just started doing a couple and then people started seeing them and then asking about them. Mm-hmm. So that's been another little portion of my business that's really grown. So I like it. Yeah. Um, I want to get back into your business, but I'd love to yeah. go back a little bit and go into your childhood. So you're from Cleveland area, Bay Village to be exact. Yes, yes. I grew up in Bay Village. I went to Bay High mm-hmm. and then um, I went to Kent State for school. So I graduated um, with a degree in graphic design. I know we're already in college now, so I'm <laughs> You're good. going too fast. But yeah, I mean, growing up, you know, I had a great childhood. I have two siblings. Um, we used to vacation a lot, like near the shores and islands mm-hmm. of Lake Erie. So I think that's where a lot of that inspiration comes from. Right. Um, we didn't take a lot of 
vacations when we were growing up. We just like didn't have the money to travel mm-hmm. or do anything crazy. So our family trips were always sort of local vacations mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, staying in Vermilion and Portland. Yeah. Did your parents have a boat growing up? No, they didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, my in-laws did though. Okay. So Jim's like been on a boat since he was a baby. Oh, wow. So he's mm-hmm. been growing up, you know, grew up around boats and everything. So mm-hmm. it was kind of fun to finally, you know, mm-hmm. get one mm-hmm. ourselves, but drink yeah. control. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, growing up like we would spend time at the beach and um like we would go on other people's boats occasionally and everything, mm-hmm. but yeah. Yeah, so the coastal life was always kind of a part of your yeah. childhood. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was. And I used to love just like looking out at the water and looking at boats mm-hmm. and going to the beach and I'm just like such a beach person mm-hmm. whether it's here or the Caribbean or anywhere. I'm like give me a beach and I'm what's happy. your sign I'm a Leo is that a water sign or it's a fire sign okay actually today's the first day of Leo season oh, oh yeah I think I knew that <laughs> yeah yeah so. I was just curious if I'm Pisces and I I love being near water too oh, and yeah. I mean I don't know if you even believe in that but sure oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm a fire sign, but I've just been doing more research into, like, rising and moon mm-hmm. signs, too. Yeah. Um, but I don't think either of those are water signs for me. But, yeah, I just, I love being by the water. I love the heat. Maybe that's it. Yeah. It's the sun. There you go. <laughs> it's the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The sun. So the lake life has always been a part of you, but what about creativity and design, and when did that start coming into your life? Um, Always, really. Mm-hmm. Like, I've always been... I wanted to be an artist growing up. That was what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I was always drawing, um, sketching in my room. Like, I have so many sketchbooks still from when I was a kid. I mean, I've saved them. And uh, I used to just listen to music and draw. I was always, like, creative in that way or just had to be making something, mm-hmm. like crafting with my mom or um, just, like, making stuff with my sister. She and I used to put on plays, and we would make like backdrops for mm-hmm. our plays and everything so we were always just like crafting making mm-hmm. things so I always just whatever a quote-unquote artist was that's what I just yeah. I wanted to be and then continue that in high school I took like every art class that I could have possibly taken and Bay has a great art program really? so I had amazing art teachers who like I have to just give them so much credit for coaching me along and encouraging me to pursue my passion because I think I mean back then having a creative career I feel like wasn't as encouraged I guess I mean the whole like starving artist concept was such a thing back Mm -hmm. then like my dad was like I don't know like are you gonna get a job right (laughs) yes I will you know Mm -hmm. um I'm not like looking to sell paintings or whatever for a living but yes you can also do that dad Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm just glad that I had encouragers you know along the way and then just the skills that I learned from high school really set me up for college um, really well. It was intimidating to go to design school. It's almost like starting over. Mm-hmm. I mean, those first few classes, you're looking around the room, and I was so intimidated. While I was good in high school, am I good now? Like, mm-hmm. you just feel like the playing field is wide open. So it's really nerve-wracking, I think, to like put yourself out in that, you know, in that way where you're like, it's, it's like a vulnerability thing, mm-hmm. really. You know, it's about, like, your skills and everything is subjective, too. Yeah. You know? Like, on a math test, to get 100%, like, there's a black and white answer mm-hmm. to that. But totally. But when you're doing a design project, it's subjective. So mm-hmm. 
you know, it's hard to know where you stack up against other people. So I think from the very beginning, I've just been comfortable with comparison and yeah, positive crit- critique, you know. Mm-hmm. They just get you comfortable with feedback and you just know that it's not personal if someone doesn't like a design or something like that. Yeah, so. did that take a few months? Like when you first went to school, was it shocking at first? Um, we did a lot of critique in high school, actually, mm-hmm. so I think that got me used to it. Mm-hmm. So I think I went through that experience early, which was really good. We would have to present all of our projects and then get feedback from the other kids in our class. Mm-hmm. So having to stand up and present your work was something they kind of got us used to mm-hmm. early, which I'm so grateful for. So again, like I can't say enough about, you know, being in school in that type of environment where creativity is a process and you're able to learn from your peers and for the most part everyone is really positive you know no one's going to raise their hand and tell you something sucks you Mm -hmm. know but they can give you some pointers or say like oh this was a really great idea it would be really cool if you tried this and you know I think it just opens up your mind to the possibility of collaboration yeah knowing that you can learn something from someone else Mm -hmm. you don't always have the best answer it's so true. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to accept that, I think. Oh, totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's what collaboration does. And even working with um, the team from Bruellas, they've, you know, tossed out ideas where I'm like, oh my God, I never would have thought of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so just, it's the truth that like two minds are better than one. Mm-hmm. I mean, if they're on the same page, of course, but yeah, it's been really fun to just it helps expand your capability and everything too. Yeah. And then why graphic design as opposed to any other focus? So I took my first graphic design class when I was a junior in high school Mm -hmm. and I think they had just started offering graphic design classes and I really didn't know what it was, but I was obsessed. Like when I first took the class and I also too think that I had this mindset of like, well, it's with computers. So that means I'll have some tech savvy and maybe I'll be more employable. Yeah. <laughs> like I can go into graphic design and not painting or something, mm-hmm. which I realize sounds like ludicrous, but I really liked it because it's also about solving problems. Like mm-hmm. design is about taking a communication problem or something that you're trying to communicate, whether it's visual look or feel, mm-hmm. and then distilling it down into a way that someone can understand that. So, yeah, I love that design solves a problem. Everything is, like, very purposeful. Mm -hmm. So we would take, like, our different projects would be, you know, to design, like, a newspaper layout or something, and we would come up with the content for it and, like, an ad or something. So it was just really interesting to me, and I loved the communications part of it. So that was really interesting to me. And just working digitally was something that was really new. And I'm glad that I was able to take that class along with, like, photography and things like that because it felt more like publishing, you know. Like, Mm -hmm. maybe I could eventually work in a magazine, um, you know, or a newspaper or something like that. Yeah. I feel like there's so many different things you can do with graphic design. Yeah. There's a lot. And I think I didn't really – I wasn't really aware until I took that class that everything you look at has been designed by somebody. Yeah, it's so true. Literally everything. Like – this glass and this dog toy, (laughs) you know, a product designer created that and, Mm -hmm. um, someone designed the label on that candle. And I just became overwhelmed by the opportunity of being able to do that. 
And I still draw and paint even as a designer, but it's just a little bit of a different application. Mm-hmm. So. so is that something that you're using a lot in your current job, problem solving with design? Yeah, definitely. So with my job at American Greetings, our whole point of creating the card package is to convey a message from the sender to the recipient. Mm-hmm. We have to balance what the copy direction is going to say with what the visual is to make sure that you know the tone feels right and that there's a variety in the line in terms of visuals, like that it's well-balanced, that there's something in there for everybody that they can find. So um, it's a ton of problem solving, making sure that you're putting the right product together that's going to say the right thing in the right moment you know, mm-hmm. to the person that they're trying to express it to. And then just staying on trend, too. That's a huge part of it. Knowing what's relevant and figuring out how to convey that through a piece of art on a card. Yeah. You know, where someone's going to say, oh, I, I love that trend, or that's so cool, or I love llamas, and look at this cute <laughs> llama card, you know. So just making sure that we're aware of, you know, what people want and how to communicate that. Mm-hmm. And do you find yourself doing that also with Shore Society? problem solving Mm -hmm. I mean with a business you are always solving problems (laughs) yeah I was like every day yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a lot and it depends like sometimes it's not creative problem solving it's like time management problem Mm -hmm. solving like how am I going to create time in my day for this this is an emergency or um how am I going to fix this customer service issue someone's you know having an issue with their product or with me or um or even just with events like with scheduling and figuring out what I have the capacity for, like how many things I can say yes to versus Mm -hmm. no. Yeah, definitely. You said uh, knowing when to say no and yes. That's something I'm learning for sure. Is that something that you had to hone over time through your your business? Absolutely, yeah. I feel like I'm just now getting the hang of, being okay with saying no. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's just because of the position that I'm in now with my business. I'm getting busier and busier. And um, a lot of the opportunities and things that had presented themselves previously, I was saying yes to everything Mm -hmm. because I was hungry. I mean, I was ready to like hit the ground running and I wasn't too good for anything. Like Mm -hmm. I, I really wanted to be everywhere every moment. And that's how burnout happens. Yeah. You know, so I think too, there's so much with the business that's growing now that is not even event related. It's mm-hmm. like just the physical amount of like orders that I have to pack and things like that. So I have less time for events and things like mm-hmm. that. So I've just had to look at everything and realize this is how many hours I have in the day and I just have to be really strategic about how right. I use them. Mm-hmm. And I think too, as I've gotten older, my time has just gotten like more valuable. Um, even doing something for a couple hours is a couple of hours that like I can't spend time with Jim or yeah. my family or mm-hmm. my friends or something. So I never want to be like putting my friends or family on the back burner for like too long <laughs> because exactly, it's just yeah. not worth it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've just had so much time taken up by work and then running the business like my free time that's that little sliver in there has just become like more and more valuable so yeah like the events that I say yes to have to be really worth it and um you know really have to gain something out of it whether it's a relationship or you know mm-hmm. meeting new customers or something right, like that exactly so. 
Yeah, I'd love to talk more about like how you balance everything, but I kind of want to go back to when you were in school still. You decided that you really were interested in graphic design, and then what was during your four years, or how long is the program? My college program was four, four and a half mm-hmm. years. Yeah. During that time, was did you ever have any hiccups where you were wondering if graphic design was going to be right for you or not, or was it just the whole time you were really focused? I was pretty much focused the whole time, yeah. I I knew it was right, but I definitely had moments where I'm like, I can't do this anymore, I wanna quit. I mean, mm-hmm. it was really hard. College was, the program at Kent is very competitive. Right. I think my freshman year, there were like 200 of us in the class, and I think I graduated with like 30. Mm. So wow. it's really competitive. A lot of people either drop out or there's um, review processes after sophomore year and junior year. So they have sophomore review and junior review where they review your portfolio and you basically have to like make it into the next year, mm-hmm. which is super scary. I, I knew that I loved what I was doing. It was just a challenge and college in general is just hard and stressful mm-hmm. and I mean also sometimes fun, but like, yeah. I don't know. I just was really focused on getting better and you know I did have a few hiccups like I remember my junior year I got like a bad grade on a project and like I don't get bad grades (laughs) I mean I like refuse so Mm -hmm. for me it was like the most defeating moment where I'm like I don't understand I mean I immediately was emailing my professor like trying to get into her office hours like what can I do how am I messing this up I don't understand (laughs) like so I think just having that reality check just motivated me to get better Mm because I was like I'm not failing at this like this is not Not I love what I'm doing Mm -hmm. and I know I want to get to the finish line and it was just a class that like I hated and struggled with a little bit and I just knew I'm like I have to get through this semester Mm -hmm. so yeah I mean I think that was probably the biggest like moment of like oh my god like do I really suck at this Mm -hmm. it's like no it's fine everybody goes through that yeah totally so what was your intention with the degree what did you really want to do with it so the degree was um a graphic design degree but I also was doing like an illustration concentration so Mm. I was taking a lot of illustration classes which I absolutely loved Mm -hmm. so I really wanted to graduate with a degree and then kind of do freelance illustration um one of my professors was an editorial illustrator so he had done illustrations for like different magazines and newspapers and would do fine art commissions and that's like what I wanted to do I mean I had books on like how to be a freelance illustrator with a list of publishing companies that you could contact and send like your portfolio to and that's like what I was dead set on doing and my senior year I actually got um an illustration job from Cleveland Magazine. Mm. I think I got two, actually. And one of them was a cover, which was really Ooh. exciting. So that was, like, what I was really pursuing. But I had to have a couple of internships as well. So I had an internship at a small design agency and then one at, like, a bigger advertising mm-hmm. agency downtown. So it was just good to get that kind of experience. Then I was, like, thinking I would do freelance illustration on the side and maybe work for an ad agency. So that's mm-hmm. kind of what the long game was for me. Mm-hmm. Um I kind of knew I would always be doing something on the side, yeah. I guess, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So how did that end up panning out after you graduated? What happened? Um, when I graduated, the market crashed 
and burned. <laughs> it was like 2008. Um, I had been working um, on a freelance basis at an ad agency, the mm -hmm. one I had interned at downtown, and with full expectation that I was going to get hired after I graduated. Yeah. And they pretty much said, we don't, like, we're cutting budgets, like, we really can't afford to bring anyone on at this point. So I was like, well, there goes my plan. So I kind of was, like, back to the drawing board and um, just started applying for, like, everything that I could, really. But that's when I started to do a little bit more freelance, and that's when I opened up my Etsy shop. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of when my business started before it was really the business that it is now. And that, now. that was around 2008? That was 2008, 2009. Oh, yeah. wow. So, so that's, like a, that's about 10 years. Yeah. Of, it was, like, not called Shore Society yeah. back then, mm -hmm. but I did. that's when I first was, like, okay, I can't find a job. I'm going to go work in retail. I worked at Urban Outfitters for, like, a year. Um, and while I was doing that, I, you know, Etsy was really blowing up. And I'm mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to teach myself how to make some money on the side um, selling, you know, cards or something creative and, so I really just took all of the like sketches and the work that I had done from school and sort of made a few little products out of it and then made some more things. And I mean, it was really like slow, but it was fun. Mm -hmm. And it was something that I just like kind of was teaching myself how to do. Yeah. What were some of those? Do you remember what those products were at first? Um, they were just like simple greeting cards. Mm -hmm. And then I did gift tags at one point. Nice. And then I did a couple of prints. Like, no clothes, like, mm -hmm. no apparel, nothing. Was it nautical-themed at that time? Mm -hmm. No? No. Mm -hmm. It was just whatever I had. Like, it was whimsical. You know, there was, like, little characters and stuff and some hand lettering mm -hmm. things like that. But that was before hand lettering was even, like, a big thing. Yeah, I wow. I mean, it's really funny. Um, so, yeah, it's, like, a, a totally different world now. But I, I did end up getting my job at American Greetings um, in 2010. Mm -hmm. So I had to rough it out for, like, a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. And did you con continue your side hustle after you got your job? I did. Um, and again, it was still kind of like small and low profile. Mm -hmm. And then it really started to ramp up in 2012. And that's when I had rebranded and named it Shore Society. Mm -hmm. And I started to kind of go down that path. While I was still doing the Etsy store, that was when Made in the 216 popped up here, mm -hmm. which was sort of like pre-Cleveland Flea. It was like a think of biannual market so she did a spring one and then one mm -hmm. in the holidays and it was consignment so you could apply to be a vendor and then you could sell some of your products there so that was like the first time that I was really selling anything mm -hmm. in person which was really exciting and that was um, when you were a shore society that was even before oh, okay yeah it was just like Rachel Novak that's my mm -hmm. name mm -hmm. like design and illustration I mean it nice. was really so simple yeah. mm -hmm. it was a really addicting feeling to walk into the store and see like my products and merchandise with other things and I was like oh this is cool mm -hmm. it was really fun yeah so how did you um come up with the name Shore Society um it was really tough and actually Jim and I he helped me I remember we were thinking about renaming it and we used to it's going to sound so cheesy, but we used to take walks by our apartment. We would walk along the railroad tracks, which mm -hmm. is, like, really unsafe. But we would just, like, think. We would walk down and just have, like, our little think talks. And we decided to start brainstorming, like, all these different coastal terms. And I made a list because we kind of – I figured I sort of wanted to go down that path. Mm -hmm. I made the Lake Erie Love print, and people, like, at that point had latched onto it and were really excited about it. 
And I wanted a name that felt coastal, but also wasn't really specific to this area. Mm -hmm. Because I knew if I wanted the business to grow, I want to feel relevant to other consumers outside of That's so smart, yeah. So I didn't want to name it anything that had to do with like Lake Erie or Cleveland Mm -hmm. or anything like that. And also I think too, as a creative, I didn't want to put myself in a box. So even the thought of calling it Shore Society, I was like, oh no, now I can only design coastal stuff. Like Mm -hmm. what if I want other things in the future? But it's so niche. It is, it is, (laughs) which is like, thank God I did that. But um, I think even just the name left it open enough Mm -hmm. that, you know, it had the society element, which I really liked. Like we could go into like more prep stuff or like dark secret society stuff, which also was really intriguing to me. Mm -hmm. So we felt like it had a lot of flexibility and... I don't know, when we came up with it, I also loved that it had the initials SS, which is like how sailing ship, you know, for the name came up. So we were like, oh, I think that's it. So I registered it like right away and it was really exciting. It felt like it had a vision finally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then once you finally understood what the brand was, Mm -hmm. what were your, what were the next steps that you took towards in your journey, I guess. I was still working on my Etsy shop. I was still selling on that platform for a couple years. I don't think I switched over to my freestanding.com until, honestly, maybe only three years ago. Mm. But I really primarily did it because of, like, brand recognition. We might have talked about this before, but Mm -hmm. how it got to the point where people say, like, oh, that's a really cute shirt. Where'd you get it? And they say, oh, I got it on Etsy. They're not saying the name of the Mm -hmm. store. Like, there's not Mm -hmm. that connection. So um, I really wanted to move it into a freestanding website. And also, at the time, I was running a blog, and that was sort of where I was connecting with my customers. And I mean, before Instagram and social media, like, that's how I was updating people on my Mm -hmm. life. And What was the um, blog called? It was Shore Society. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. so it was after I had named it, and that was kind of what I was using as my website. I had a blog and an Etsy store. Mm-hmm. So I really wanted to merge the two of them into one site where it was one stop for everything. So you could shop, you could read the blog, you could contact me about custom work. So it was all under one umbrella, which was um, a big undertaking. And it was hard to leave Etsy because they have a great community there of makers. Like, you can share each other's work and everything but I'm glad I did it mm-hmm. it was like yeah time. definitely yeah. it just grew to be too big like for what that platform could do mm-hmm. so is blogging still a part of what you're doing right now it is I wish it was more I just like don't have the time mm-hmm. I wish I had more time too um I do share house updates a lot when people are curious like mm-hmm. especially if we're doing a new project I always yeah. try to show a before and after and I like to include some um, other content that's just, like, supportive of the products, whether it's sharing, like, my favorite, like, beach hair products Mm -hmm. or what's in my beach bag or holiday gift guides I like doing. So I still really like to do it because it's a fun way to just add value to, like, what I'm doing. And my customers love to come and read the blog. Mm -hmm. Um, They want to connect with you in a different way. And I love doing it. I just, yeah, it's hard. I always end up putting it on the back burner because... I'm like, well, people need their stuff. So I guess I need to ship it to them. <laughs> Gotta send these packages. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I really do love it. It's really fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping to ramp it up. I have like a notebook with a list of blog post ideas in nice. there. And I'm just slowly checking them off. I love that. So when you first decided to focus on the Nautical Shore Society theme as a brand, what products were you starting out with? 
Um, I did start with apparel, so mm-hmm. I had like the Lake Erie Love print, which I had done before, that um, I turned into like a tank top design and a t-shirt, and um, that's when I started adding other products like um, the mugs that I have, which have been a big mm-hmm. hit, um, and then just the prints too, so adding another collection of like different prints that people could hang um, hang and frame. Mm-hmm. And also just doing custom work as well. Like I was still doing branding and logos. And mm-hmm. I mean, I was just like doing everything. Yeah. So it was a little bit nuts. So I'm, I'm definitely more focused now. I just was focused more on like women's apparel and things like that. And mm-hmm. so now I'm trying to do a lot more that's like unisex and a range of sizes and options and things like that too. And added in some gifts that are suitable for men because I do have a lot of like male shoppers Mm -hmm. you know so just trying to pay attention to the shifting market yeah and just growing and expanding the product line as the the demand happens you know Mm -hmm. it's definitely grown and changed a lot over the years for sure what are some products that you used to have that you realized maybe weren't fitting quite right and then how did you end up evolving those um gosh I feel like some of the OGs I still have, Mm -hmm. which has been kind of nice. There have been certain shirts that I've, like, printed where maybe the fit wasn't right, so Mm -hmm. I just haven't reused those garments. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, if I've heard, you know, complaints that they're too fitted or there's something about them that people don't like, Mm -hmm. um, I'll just, you know, sort of shift and move away from that. So that's why feedback is just so important to get from people. So markets are so great for that because it's like, since I don't have a store... If we're not having a conversation on social media, that's the only way I can connect with people is through markets and hearing it face-to-face. So um, it's really great to gather that feedback at that point of ideas for what people want in the future or if they want me to bring something back that I used to have, which has happened before. Like, oh, can you bring that shirt back? I'm like, that was five years ago. You have a really good memory. (laughs) Wow. So Committed customer. I know. (laughs) That's cool. And you can also just experiment and just bring one of an item or just a few of an item Mm -hmm. to a market and really test it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great time to do that. Mm -hmm. So there are so many apparel designers and people wanting to do creative things. How do you, when you're getting inspired with other people in your community that are doing similar things, how do you draw the line between, um, inspiration and I guess um, not copying necessarily but so drawing the line between inspiration and being too influenced by people Mm -hmm. that's a really good question because I feel like everyone in the creative space asks themselves that and Mm -hmm. wants to know too like when is someone getting too close to what I'm doing Mm -hmm. because it's definitely happened to me before um I've had a few, and thank goodness for my customers, who have pointed some things out to me before that maybe I haven't seen, um, where, you know, they'll send me a screenshot of something, and they know I have a product that's similar or did at one point, and I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> like, So it's really hard. Um, you have to know when it's, like, a legal issue versus mm-hmm. an ethical issue versus, like, a personal issue. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I think dividing that and figuring out what's worth your energy like Mm -hmm. fighting or going after um there's a lot in the space but I feel like while there is room for everyone there's definitely a line you know Mm -hmm. and I think 
over the years as my business has grown, it's been apparent to me that people have maybe wanted to try to emulate what it is that I'm doing, mm-hmm. whether it's like through my photo styling or the products themselves or just the feel of the brand. Like when I started Shore Society, there wasn't anything around here like it at all. I mean, there were other apparel companies, of course, but there mm-hmm. wasn't anyone who was just focused on the lake or like a coastal kind of feel. So despite what might be happening now, I feel like my customers know that like mine was the original, you know, and I feel like it's still mm-hmm. different and it's me. And I think because I'm a designer and illustrator, my products look different than what other products might look like on the market. Mm-hmm. So I think I just, knowing that there's a differentiator there, unless it's like an exact rip off or something, which has totally happened to me, funny story we were in Chautauqua New York last summer um, on vacation and walked by a gift shop and my Beers Boats bike shirt was hanging in the window and it wasn't my shirt what yeah that's crazy it was insane in Chautauqua in Chautauqua and like I was with my family with my in-laws and Jim and we were like walking to breakfast and I was like wait, I'm sorry, what? So we walked into the store. It turned into this whole thing where I had to like reach out to the owner and we took photos of the shirt. Like someone had literally just traced it. So it was, it, it wasn't was, just the words. It was like the exact design. It was the design. exact design. Oh it my was gosh. a very poor tracing of the design. Yeah. So oh my gosh. That's so easy. Oh my God. It was horrible. <laughs> like I was shaking for like a day. I was just like, oh my God, how did this happen? You know, I was uh-huh. so freaked out especially knowing that like what are the odds that I would walk by that store I mean they like how would they even know I don't know they might not have even known where I was from or Mm -hmm. even where it came from like they probably just saw it online and decided to rip it off but the odds of me getting put in that place at that moment I mean that was wild Mm -hmm. it was really crazy that's insane I can't believe that yeah my in-laws were so mad (laughs) they were like this isn't right I'm like I know it's illegal (laughs) so wow so so it was kind of that's kind of a mm -hmm. tangent but yeah yeah, like that was the first time that I've ever seen that and that that that's happened to Mm -hmm. me and what about on the other side you when Mm -hmm. you're creating new new designs and you're getting inspired how do you make sure that you yourself aren't doing something like that yeah I mean I really try not to look at what other people are doing quite frankly Mm -hmm. and like when I'm designing something new um I I sketch everything out first like I work from pencil to digital and so I really try to make sure that that's like a nice long creative process and that everything's kind of coming from my imagination Mm -hmm. and like of course you know it's unavoidable to like see things out in the public or on the internet everything like that um but I know what's too close and like if someone's already doing something I don't want to do something that's similar because if I'm doing something similar then it's not original Mm -hmm. you know so I think for me it's not even like tempting to Mm -hmm. want to do that Mm -hmm. I guess so it might just be taking elements about what the design is that I like about it like that's a really cool color palette. Maybe I could do something like that for like my email list. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, just making sure that it's like different and not because I, as a designer, never want to be like unoriginal. So to me, it's like a no go. Oh yeah. Yeah. But I know that people do it and it's like easy for people to do who don't have like, you know, they just want to pull from inspiration and say like, well, this is doing really well. This is really popular. Like I just want to kind of do something like it, Mm -hmm. you know? 
but yeah. try not to put that game. No, no, it can get tricky. It can, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned like the process of creating a new design. Can you walk us through what that looks like in more detail? Sure. Um, so whether it's like an idea that I got from a customer or just myself or honestly my sister, she's always feeding me ideas. She's mm-hmm. like, what if you did this? Or mm-hmm. um, So I usually start by sketching on like pencil and paper, like honestly just a really quick sketch. And um, then I might move to my iPad. So I have an iPad Pro, which has been really great for sketching and drawing and then taking things straight from digital to like my computer and being able to um, draw it in vector or something. So I'll sketch it out first and then sometimes in my head I'll have an idea of what I want to put the design on, whether it's like a mug or oh, I'm going to do a sweatshirt design mm-hmm. or something like that. So sometimes I'll have it in mind, but other times it might just be sketching for fun. And I really try to do that as much yeah. as I can, like without having a purpose in mind because mm-hmm. I feel like it just closes you in from the beginning. Um but yeah, I mean, like recently for Bruella's, we just did um, an anchor bandana. So mm-hmm. like knowing I was designing a bandana, I'm like, okay, it's going to be a square. Mm-hmm. It needs a repeat. So I think when it's something product-based already, at least I can kind of know how to design it. But for the most part, I just kind of start free form. And then if I like the way something's looking, I'm like, oh, this could be a great sweatshirt mm-hmm. or, you know, this could be a cute keychain, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um and then I just kind of like pick the colors and figure out, you know, what I want to print it on and what's available. Sometimes I'll order samples, you know, like with my anchor hat, I ordered a couple of samples of different hats before I chose like the one that I wanted to embroider on. So it's always good to get that feedback ahead of time, you know, have people like try it on and see what they mm-hmm. think. Do you embroider those yourself? No, I have someone do mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's it's nice to be able to like, have some choice and I've kind of curated like a color palette of products so I kind of have like a feel which is funny because when we're like merchandising for the flea ember in particular about like what goes next to what because it's just about the mm-hmm. like color palette that I have going on yeah so, yeah I mean that's kind of the process mm-hmm. from start to finish yeah how do you how do you source all of the material for the products um so my screen printer who I work with for the apparel they can help me with you know mm-hmm. sourcing or getting samples of things um but the other products, like the key tags or some of the accessories, I just have to work directly with those vendors um, who I've, you know, either found online or through word of mouth. And then mm-hmm. they can send me, you know, samples of those things. That way I can, like, kind of check out the quality and um, kind of go from there. But, yeah, it's definitely hard working with, like, so many different vendors. But, um you know, I've gone through cycles where I'm, like, getting a batch of something that just, like, didn't turn out well. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to find the good ones, and when you do find them, you're, like, clinging to yeah, them. Yeah, exactly. Your studio is here in your house, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you don't have a lot of space to really keep a ton of stock. So how do you no. work around that? Um, we do keep some inventory in the basement. So, like, if I have a big box of something... Um, I'll fold that up and we have like shelves in the basement where I'll keep, you know, overflow stuff. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, my studio is upstairs and I have like an inventory closet, so I'll keep everything kind of organized in there. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're definitely like maxing out the space at this point Mm -hmm. because I have all my packing materials up there too, like boxes and tissue paper and my desk. And so it's kind of a chaotic space to like create in there as well as like, like I'll 
be at my computer working and creating and then it's like all right we're gonna flip the room into like shipping mode and I'll pull out all the boxes yeah kind of go from there like sometimes I just have to sit on the floor and pack Mm -hmm. yeah so since it's in your house how do you draw a line between work and play um it's hard Mm -hmm. I do feel very grateful though that at least when I am here I'm not like working somewhere else like if I need to pause and go walk the dog or something yeah, that's like that's nice. kind of nice um but I definitely have to set my own boundaries and make sure that when I come home from work I'm not going straight up to my office and getting stuff done mm-hmm. because it's tempting because I'm like oh I have all this to do I really need to go get it done and um I really try to get home and slow down and like cook dinner you know walk Cooper or something and reset before I go up to my office to work mm-hmm. uh you kind of have to like police yourself on that for yeah, sure. yeah otherwise it's just like blending all over the place right but. exactly do you have plans to find another space to do it all in eventually yeah I think we're probably going to outgrow my little home studio at some mm-hmm. point yeah. so yeah and even just with everything that I need to have for markets like I have like three clothing racks in the basement <laughs> you know and mm-hmm. just like my chairs and my tent for the market and I have different rugs and shelves it's like it it all is so much so Mm. having like a space to put all that stuff that's not like in the garage and everything right yeah I feel like that's something as a market goer I don't really think about no (laughs) it's so much and when my sister started helping me setting up for markets she was like oh my god this is so much work I'm like yeah it's a lot of work Mm -hmm. and it looks so magical and amazing when you're there and then like until you do it and you're like, okay, I've been out in the hot sun for like nine hours and, you know, I haven't peed. <laughs> like it's just hard work, mm-hmm. you know, like dragging all that stuff there. But um, yeah, cause once I, you get set up, it's just like so fun. Yeah, because I feel like when I think about like handmade businesses, it just seems so fun. But when you're at a market, I can't imagine how exhausting it must be to yeah. be standing there all day and having to converse with customers all day and put a smile on your face. Yeah. Is that a skill that you've had to learn? Yeah, it's like fake it till you make it. I mean, there's some days where it comes naturally and then other days where you're like, I'm really not feeling it today, but I have to like suck it up Mm -hmm. and um, find a way to really be positive about it. Last week, or maybe it was two weekends ago, like the flea was really hot on Saturday. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was so hot. It was like how hot it was this weekend. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was like, okay, I just have to make sure I'm staying hydrated and that I eat because you're on your feet and you're like sweating all day. And like, um, it's really hard and it's not that I wasn't feeling it. It was just like, yeah, you know, it's a challenge with the weather. I've done markets where it's like poured rain mm-hmm. and you, you know, can't tear down it's rain or shine. So you just kind of like figure out how to stay warm and positive and like mm-hmm. when your rug is getting soaked and everything is just like a mess like things are blowing mm-hmm. off the table I mean I've had everything happen to me so wow. it's like it's really hard work and um, I give everyone a lot of credit for like showing up and mm-hmm. everyone's usually really positive because it's like we're here what are we gonna do let's make the best of the situation right. and mm-hmm. like really try to um, show up for the customers and have a good time mm-hmm. and because a lot of times it's the only place where people can come and shop. And um, most of my, like, market goers are really, like, dedicated, I feel. Like, especially the flea has really dedicated. Like, it's oh, rain or sure. shine. Like, people are mm-hmm. shopping. So um, that's really good about mm-hmm. that. Have markets been a big part of your growth? 
for your business? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, being able to do bigger pop-ups in different types of markets mm-hmm. has been really good. Um, so I do like still some smaller markets and then bigger ones too. And I would like to expand and maybe do some out-of-state markets. Yeah, I was going to ask point. if you have before. Mm-hmm. No? Not yet. So I was thinking about doing maybe Cincinnati mm-hmm. and then, you know, maybe like Detroit or something regional because they're also on the lake too. Mm-hmm. So, but I have started to expand my wholesale. Um, I just um, got three new wholesale accounts that are out of state, cool. which is really kind of exciting. So it's not just in Cleveland anymore. Like, what so cities are they in? Um, Charleston, South Carolina, oh. um, Buffalo, and then one in New Jersey. Cool. So yeah, it's really exciting. Mm-hmm. So. Is that something you're actively going after as wholesale accounts? Um, Probably not super actively, but it's definitely available, and I think it's been mostly word of mouth, and then even just Instagram and people being able to find you, you know, from all over the country, and um, I think, again, not having only lake-specific product has really been beneficial for that because, you know, like my Ahoy teas are going to be in Charleston, you know, so it's like they're interested in some of the products that are not specific. Right. But again, I've had some out of state stores too who are interested in doing a spin on what I already have. Oh, but yeah. For their city. Customizing it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So there's so many things you could do. Yeah. And even all the Great Lakes, I mean, mm-hmm. there's five. So it's <laughs> like people have asked for different specific sweatshirts and things like that mm-hmm. too. So wow. probably down the line. Mm-hmm. Cool. So we were talking about drawing the line with boundaries and stuff. So you work a full-time job, and you have Shore Society is basically a second full-time job. Yeah. How, what is your life like day-to-day to handle that and strategize around making time for everything? Yeah, I have to be very purposeful. Um, so, I mean, usually I wake up. And I'm not a morning person, like, at all. But I've been trying to get up a little bit earlier and maximize my time before I have to go into the office. So mm-hmm. um, whether that's running to my screen printer or, like, stopping into Bruella's and replenishing, you know, stock on the way to work. I've been trying to, like, make more of my morning. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, like, that's a quick 20-minute errand that can really save me. Right. So, I mean, then I'll go into the office and work. And um, if I have time to take, like, a lunch break, sometimes I'll, like, work on emails or something over lunch. Um or like place an order with a vendor or something just to keep things moving. And I do write everything down in a planner too, so I can kind of like look throughout the day and see what's a priority, what needs to get done today, and then what am I doing tonight? Mm -hmm. So I kind of have like my night figured out. So when I get home, um, we try to like chill out and have dinner before I go up to my office and work. Um, And I don't do that like every night, but lately it has been. and Jim's been helping me pack orders, which is great. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll look at the order queue and I'm like, oh, I'm going to be up till 1 o'clock or something. A lot of times, like, things need to get out as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. And especially, too, when people are sending gifts or they're expecting something for vacation, like, we really try to get things out yeah. ASAP. Um, so, you know, we'll either pack orders or I'll focus on emails or, you know, like, doing my taxes and, like, all that yucky stuff. But... Um, I really just try to prioritize, like, day by day, what do I need to get done? Like, what's the, mm-hmm. you know, the most important thing mm-hmm. to do? Um, and then making sure that things don't stack up at the end of the week. So, yeah. And I really try to, like, be focused when I'm working. So I've done this thing lately where I'm, like, setting a timer 
and I have to be like heads down working for like 20 minutes and mm-hmm. I can't check my mm-hmm. phone I can't check I can't google like what is the weather you know I can't yeah. get distracted um and it's like amazing what you can get done in 20 mm. minutes so that's like my power hour trick that's a um, good hack for productivity yeah because I can be very easily distracted mm-hmm. I'm like what's that over Me there too. you know so it's been really it's been really helpful to mm-hmm. be like okay I can knock out all these emails in 20 minutes and like order this and reorder these shirts and um you know respond to this request about a donation or whatever mm-hmm. like it's just um a good little trick and then it's like okay once the timer goes off I can post my photo to Instagram or whatever and then I have to go back to work so mm-hmm. yeah you yeah. like trick yourself into being productive sometimes but it's like then I love checking things off my to-do yeah, list. Yeah, so it feels feel, so good. It feels so good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about, like, when you're packing orders? I was going to ask if there's anything that you – do you keep on anything in the background to just make it totally. go by faster, oh, like yeah. podcasts and stuff? Yeah, podcasts, Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll watch The Hills. I mean, I try to watch something I don't have to pay attention to because mm-hmm. I can just kind of, like, listen to the background. Mm-hmm. Um, the Office. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> anything that's just, like, light and funny. Yeah, podcast too. Mm-hmm. I'll crush through podcasts while I'm working. Mm-hmm. Just anything that makes it feel like it's not work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not. Like, I really do. I really do enjoy doing it. Right. So I love, like, packing everything up together. And Make I always it, include, yeah. like, a handwritten note, mm-hmm. which is, like, not time efficient. But I'm, like, I, I like putting it Going the extra mile makes a difference. For sure. Mm-hmm. So uh, what do you think has evolved the most since you first started Shore Society and now? just myself creatively honestly and like what the products stand for and then even my customers like I have loyal customers and then I have tons of new customers and like so for me um I like I think that just the aesthetic of it has really evolved and by working with you know different photographers and doing shoots together and like really rounding out the feel and the, mm-hmm. you know the aesthetic of the brand I think that's evolved the most like in the beginning, I think I was just creating everything myself. So I was taking my own photos and um, modeling all the shirts myself. And like everything was really just, yeah. I mean, and too, that has to do with budget as well. Mm-hmm. Like as a growing business, it's like all hands on deck. I'm doing right. everything. Um, but I think by working with different different photographers and, um, you know, going to other events and collaborating and meeting other people and getting inspired by them has helped me to grow the aesthetic and like, get other people's input of how you know they would style something Mm -hmm. and um so I think it's just enhanced it overall and it's had you know I've grown as a creative person by like seeing other people's perspectives yeah and then even just with like connecting with people on Instagram I mean truthfully it's been a huge like driver of my business and then just growing the community there and you know meeting people and then figuring out what types of products they're looking for and what they want and need and then being able to deliver something really unique to them. And I think just like my confidence too and knowing that like if I put out something new, I don't have to feel like nervous about whether or not it's gonna sell or anything mm-hmm. like that. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. It's yeah. not the end of the world. Like I don't think I'm not as risk averse. I don't right. think mm-hmm. so makes sense. So what else what have you learned? Has there been a any big challenges during the journey of the past few years that have kind of set you back a little bit or woken you up in a, in a way? Yeah, I think just knowing that 
um, I'm just getting out what I put in. And so I think like there were a couple of years where I was like trying to ramp up, but I don't think I knew how. And now that I've kind of figured out how, it's like, I mean, I wish I had sort of cracked the code a couple of years ago or something. I mean, it's not a code, but I guess I just mean that like, I was, I felt like I was working really hard, but I was really just on a wheel, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So now I feel like I'm working really hard, but I'm not on a wheel. But it's more efficient. It's more efficient, mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, whether it comes down to saying no and being really like diligent about how I'm spending my time, it's like, three years ago I might have been spending the same amount of time but now I'm just spending it smarter and like mm -hmm. delegating the things that you know I don't have time for or working with a photographer and you know having them shoot and edit everything and I'm there to style with them but then I don't have to worry about like taking photos every single day and I still take my own photos yeah. like I love doing that that'll never go away but you know for the website and everything it's like I need product shots I need a lot of content so that's primarily what you know that's for so I think just like working smarter and not harder mm -hmm. before I was like I just gotta work so hard and it's like I just don't think I was being super smart about it mm -hmm. you know and I think I was a little bit afraid to take risks so I wasn't really creating like a lot of new product I was just sort of like bringing back the same things every year and you know now I just feel a lot more confident where I'm like I'm going to spend a lot of time drawing this map of the Lake Erie Islands and like hopefully people will buy it yeah. but like you know it took me a lot of time to do that and it's like one of my best selling mm -hmm. you know designs at this point so um I think just having the confidence and knowing that like people are willing to embrace you know anything new that I'm willing to put out there which is nice for sure yeah so is there anything that you're really excited about for your business right now um I guess just seeing where it's going mm -hmm. and like um I know for fall and holiday I have a few things planned and definitely for fall um I'm looking to kind of dive into like the darker side of things Ooh. so like a little bit of like spooky coastal stuff. I like that yeah I'm so excited yeah like so, witchy and Halloween mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah so I definitely think we're gonna do um I'm saying we but it's me <laughs> but like I think we're gonna work on it with Ruella's yeah, so I think just exploring a little bit of that and then pursuing wholesale a little bit more mm -hmm. to um, trying to expand to a few other markets and things like that. So, yeah, it's just been kind of like a wild ride. Um, and I'm just excited to kind of see where it goes. Mm -hmm. I'm excited. Yeah. For sure, for you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been really fun. And everyone is just like, been really supportive and I've loved getting ideas from people and feedback and like just connecting with other even people who aren't makers you know I think people think that like the community is just for makers or certain types mm -hmm. of people and it's like it's not I want to hear from everybody yeah <laughs> I want to meet everybody and I like that everybody. Mm -hmm. where okay. can people find you um you could find me at shoresociety.com um that would be the online blog and the shop you can also find me on Instagram at Shore Society um, and on Facebook at Shore Society. I do also have a Twitter, but it's kind of more like a personal Twitter, mm -hmm. but it's Shore Society on Twitter. Mm -hmm. I don't really tweet much, so. Yeah, I don't know who tweets. I'm more of a visual person. <laughs> me too. So you can find me on Instagram 100%. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then any markets that are coming up? Yeah, so I have the Vermilion Beach Market coming up on August 2nd and 3rd. And um, gosh, what else? Oh, I have a pop-up at J. Crew, 
Mm. That's going to be at the end of August. I forget the date, but it'll be on the website. Okay, cool. Um, it'll be at the Crocker Park J. Crew. Cool, so people can look out for that. Yeah. And look forward for the spooky Yes, we're going to get dark. Uh, that's going to be great. Cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This has been so fun. Yes. I love chatting with you. Me too. And that was my conversation with Rachel. I hope you enjoyed it. To find her on the internet and at Future Markets, I will link all of those resources in the show notes so that you can find her on Instagram and her website and all that good stuff. Before we go, I just want to remind you again, if you want to have a podcast, I can help you with that. Take advantage of the 450 for my one-month all-inclusive package by clicking the link in the show notes. If you have any questions about that, please email me. And also, one more thing, I'm hosting a live podcast event with my friend Nikki from Alon Styling Cleveland. She's a personal stylist that will go into your closet and take all of the clothes that you have, go through them with you, get rid of stuff that you don't that doesn't really fit you anymore and doesn't fit your personality she'll take what you do have and turn it into really thoughtful outfits and then after that she'll take you to the thrift store to find whatever else you need and of course the stuff that you get rid of she'll donate to the thrift store so i'm going to be interviewing her on august 28th that's a wednesday at 5 30 at the cleveland flea headquarters and tickets are only ten dollars We will also be doing a live styling session and there's going to be some fun vintage pop-ups there, a specialty cocktail, some snacks, and of course, networking. So click the link in the show notes to grab a ticket. I hope to see you there. And until then, I will see you on Instagram. Follow me at museroom... Oh, it's muse.room now, not museroom podcast on Instagram. Shoot me an email to museroompodcast at gmail.com. And have a lovely week. Bye. Thank you for listening.